Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. We've been doing this this series called What Do I Believe? What do I believe? And uh, really, it was, it, was, it, was, it was started because I was just looking at our culture and the struggle. How many of you have... Come on, if you're honest, how many of you have Googled a biblical or a doctrinal concept? Like, you, you, you know, you just Google, and then what comes up is all kinds of craziness, right? Like, oh, there's, there's a million different ideas. And, and I do a, a young adult group on Wednesday nights where we meet at the Thrive Center, and one of them just recently said, how do you know who's telling the truth? Right? How, how do you know what's real and, and what's not real? And, and that is so tough. So we've been doing the series, What Do I Believe?, just what are what are some basic tenets of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, or this this thing we called Christianity, or that they originally, when it was the original church, that they called the Way? Right? What, what does that actually look like? Well, I found John Maxwell had this little story. Listen to me, this is not biblically accurate at all. But since we have some questions and it's funny, I just wanted to read it to you. Right? So maybe this will help you with your life a little bit. You ready? On the first day, God created the dog. God said, sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anyone who comes by or walks past. I will give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog said, uh, that's too long to be sitting and barking. Give me 10 years and I'll give you back the other 10. So God agreed. On the second day, God created the monkey. God said, entertain people, do monkey tricks and make them laugh. I'll give you a 20-year lifespan. The monkey said, monkey tricks for 20 years? I don't think so. Dog gave you back ten, so I'll do the same thing if that's okay. You gotta agree. On the third day, God created the cow. You must go into the field with the farmer all day long and toil under the sun, have calves, and give milk to support the farmer. I will give you a lifespan of sixty years. And the cow said, "That's kind of a tough life, right? Um, for sixty, let me have twenty. I'll give you back forty. And God agreed. On the fourth day, God created the man. God said, eat, sleep, play, marry, enjoy your life, and I'll give you 20 years. And the man went, what? No, 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 only 20 years? I'll tell you what, I'll take my 20. The 40 the cow gave back, the 10 the monkey gave back, and the 10 the dog gave back. That makes 80, okay? God said, okay, you got a deal. So that is why, for the first 20 years, we eat, sleep, play, and enjoy ourselves. Don't get ahead of me here. For the next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. For the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain grandchildren. And the last 10, we sit on the front porch and bark at everybody who goes by. I have just explained life to you. You have been enlightened, right? No, no, no. This is, this is just funny and, and all, but, but we are like, what is, what is it that we believe? What are some of the basic realities? And so we've used something called the Apostles' Creed. To help us with that, the Apostles' Creed is not, it's not scripture. Um, it, it, it's not, you know, sacred within itself other than it was something created in the year 150 A.D. that was just, hey, here's a summary of some real basics. Here's a summary, and it is with, it's withstood the tough, test of time. But these are some basics. Well, this is our very last week, or at the very end of it. But I want to read the whole thing to you, and then we're going to talk about the very last line. Here's what it says. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Creator of heaven and earth, 
and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins we talked about last week, and here's what we're going to talk about this week. The resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Amen? I'm going to talk about this concept of resurrection. Resurrection. Kind of a tough term for some people. It's kind of cut. And, and I think that there's the reason that this is tough is because resurrection has a paradox to it. We're going to talk about that today. But uh, a guy that I sometimes listen to, and I don't agree with him about everything doctrinally, but hey, can I just say this to you? I listen to a whole bunch of different people that I don't agree, to, agree with all of their doctrine. But that's what makes up the body of Christ. Can we all just agree that we're all going to get to heaven and be wrong? Come on. We're, we're going to get to heaven. And something that you have held on to, like, this is true, and rah, 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 you're going to get to heaven and go, uh, uh, okay, my bad. And so we've got to be careful. But Albert Muller is a guy that I listen to fairly often, and he wrote this about resurrection, about the resurrection. He wrote, it is the very ground of the church's faith. He lives so we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, the disciples were willing to die. Because he lives, the martyrs were willing to follow his example. If there is no resurrection, then close it up, sell the building, go home, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. If Christ merely died as a substitute for our sins, but remains in the grave, we remain in our sins. No resurrection. No salvation, no victory, nothing. Resurrection. Probably why they put it here at the final is because it's almost like the final stamp of the foundation of our belief system. But I said to you, there's a paradox. Let's get into that a little bit. First of all, I want to go back to a verse we used last week. We use this often. Many of you should have it memorized as much as I use this verse. But it's John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to what? Steal, kill, destroy, right? That's, that's, the, that's the devil. It comes to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. But Jesus said, but I have come that they may have life. And what? Have it to the full, right? Some translations say abundant life. Come on, anybody would like a little bit of abundant life right now? Right? A little bit of something bubbling up inside of us that's a little bit more than just the stuff of this world? Well, the devil is trying to steal your joy. Right? I mean, we're in a mental health crisis in our country today. Of people that we're fighting depression and dealing with because he steals our joy. He kills our potential because of the things that have spoken people have spoken into us and decisions we have made when we've kind of killed our potential. He destroys our identity, but Jesus didn't listen to this. He did not say that he came to forgive sins. Notice that. He said, yeah, I, that's part of it, right? Like, I, I died for you so that your sins might be forgiven. But he says that he came that we might have what? Life. Life. Not just forgiveness, but a resurrection from death to life. We sang it today, beauty to ashes, right? Graves 
to gardens. This is, this is the concept of resurrection. What we're dealing with in our world is, is a scientific fact. So many of you know my degrees in biochemistry. I love the sciences, and I love adding science and our belief system because I think science proves God. And I, I, I believe in a young earth. I believe in six, six, six literal days of creation, and I believe it can all be proved scientifically. We can have a discussion on that sometime, but I absolutely believe it. But here's, here's an interesting fact. There's a law, right? We have the, the theory of evolution. It's not a law. It's a theory. But we have a law. It's the second law of thermodynamics. And the word is entropy. Entropy. In other words, everything in all scientists are doing this. Everything in our world goes from a state of order to a state of disorder. How many of you looked in the mirror lately and realized your body is going from a state of order to a state of disorder? Come on, somebody. And, and we got, we got like wrinkle creams and, you know, some of y'all have gotten, gone to Harry Potter potions or whatever, <laughs> trying to fight the inevitable of this law, entropy. But everything in our world goes from a state of order to a state of, of disorder unless some force creates order. It's a law of, of our... And, and, and so what we see around us, come on, y'all, is things going from order to disorder. Unless there is some force. Unless there is something that comes along in that process. But this idea of resurrection, this idea of taking things that were dead, anybody anybody got some things that you just kind of, you really wouldn't want to talk about? Tell anybody? You got some regrets, you got some shame, you got some struggles, you got some things that are kind of embarrassing, some bad decisions you made, all this. The promise of resurrection is that they go from disorder to order. That, that, that God actually can bring, and some of us are struggling with really believing that. Some of us are really fighting and, and dealing with, no, all I see is entropy. All I see is things going bad. I have a hard time with my belief and my faith and understanding. And so this concept of resurrection, it's interesting because it's a paradox. Now, what is a paradox? Let me give you a definition. Paradox is a seemingly absurd or contradictory statement or proposition which, when investigated, may prove to be well-founded or true. Right? And the resurrection is a paradox. Did you know there are tons of of paradoxes in the scripture? Let me give you a few. Give, and it shall be given to you. The first shall be last. You will find rest in the yoke of God. The yoke is what you put on the, 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 the mules or the, or the cows or whatever to work. You'll find rest in the yoke of God. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Right? We become wise when we become fools for Christ. In our weakness, he is made strong. Right? These, these are paradoxes, and it looks weird at first, but there's truth. Here is the paradox of resurrection. Now, I'm speaking of two different things at the same time. Because I believe that God, we believe very much in a bodily resurrection, that one day we're going to rise, come on somebody, and we're going home, this is not our home. Right? We are just hanging out on this crazy planet for a time period, fulfilling a purpose that God has designed for us, and that one day we're going to experience resurrection just like Jesus did and go back home. Come on now, right? That's, that's, that's what we believe in. But we also believe when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full, I believe that's here as well. Right? That we're looking at resurrection now. 
Some of you have the opportunity to have resurrection today. In some of your relationships, in your marriage, with your kids, just in your own heart, in the way that you see God. But it's a paradox, Mark 8 and 35. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, what's the good news? That's the gospel that people might might know who Jesus is, right? And that they have the opportunity to have a resurrection in their life as well. You will save it. This is counter-cultural. This is completely counter-cultural to what we're seeing in the United States specifically, but really all over the world. Because the messages that we are hearing, these, these messages that actually caught, they steal, kill, and destroy, steal our joy, kill our potential, right, destroy our identity. Well, there's these messages, and these worldly messages are, number one, self-preservation. Right? Self-preservation. I'm going to take care of me. You might hear it like this on the street. I'm going to get mine. If you're on a different street, you might hear it like this. I'm going to get mine. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? But others don't, right? We've had foster kids come into our house, and they use mines with an S instead of mine. And every time they did it, Jim and I would go, boom! And they, what the heck? And we broke them of saying mines. But anyway, the point is self-preservation. Get off track here. Self-preservation. Listen, that we, 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 I'm going to take care of me. I have rights, right? Don't tread on me, right? Don't don't get on. This this is my yard. You better get your blood out of my yard. And and when we get in this mode because of the craziness of our world and the hurt we've experienced, in this mode of self-preservation, another message that we're hearing and we're seeing on a regular basis in our in our culture is self-promotion. Self-promotion. It's an interesting thing that happened with the whole concept of social media. And one of the big starters would, would probably be the Kardashians. But there's a number, and I'm not dogging them, but I'm just saying when you look back at the history, and there's a number of them that started a scenario that some of us are not even, like we're not even paying attention to what's going on. We use our social media for self-promotion. When was the last time, ladies, you put yourself with no makeup and in sweatpants on social media? Never. No, we put our highlight reel on social media. And in some ways, it's like, look at me. Self-promotion. Right? Come on, let's be honest. Matter of fact, we have filters. For, for our older folks that don't know this, on social media, there are filters. You can actually put a filter on that makes me look about 15 years younger if I put the filter on. And we put our filters on and we put, and can I say this to you? Can I? Look, let me just help you for a second. If you use filters all the time when they see you in person, you look ugly. You know what I'm saying? You might want to think about that just a little bit. I ran into somebody the other day and was like, oh, I didn't recognize you. Because all I ever see is filtered faces on social media. But come on now. Let's be real for just a moment. It's about self-promotion. It's, it, it's about look at me, right? Can I say this to you? And I know I'm stepping on some toes, but selfies? There's not been enough time for them to research. They have researched. There is direct correlation between how many selfies somebody puts on their social media and mental health issues. That's not a picking on somebody. That's saying there's a struggle there. That the enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy who you really are 
by making you think you're going to matter because you get likes. By making, think, making you think you're going to matter because you, you put up this amazing quote, look at my life. Right? And listen to me. That's self-promotion. That's something that the world is dragging us into, and you don't even realize how much it is stealing your joy, destroying your identity. Your identity is in Christ. Your identity is who Jesus says you are, not because you get 1,500 likes. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And so we're in this self-promotion society, and it says you've got to do this to keep up, and this is what's going to matter. Man, <laughs> We're worried about how many followers do we have. Can I say this to you? You don't need to worry about how many followers you have. You need to worry about who you're following. Come on. The world is lying to you. And my job today is just to kind of confront it a little bit. And I'm not trying to just stomp on your toes or just point a finger and wag a finger and be that preacher guy or anything else. I want to help you. I don't want him to steal your joy. And kill your potential and destroy your identity. I want you to understand who God created you to be. And it doesn't come through self-promotion. The third thing I think that's a message of our current world is self-indulgence. Self-indulgence, right? If it's out there, here's the words. I deserve it. Can I, can I, can I, can I challenge you to be careful with those words? When somebody gets something or does something, you're like, oh, you deserve it. That is a completely unbiblical statement. Do you realize that? Like we say it to be nice and we're just trying to make them feel good, but we are sinners who deserve nothing. That's the biblical reality, right? We, we, are, we are sinners that only because of the grace of God. Am I saying it's wrong to have nice stuff? Absolutely not. When we understand the blessing that it is and who it comes from and what it's for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, we've got to keep our, our, our minds straight because we get so off track in this world of self-preservation and, and, and self-indulgence and self-promotion. And we get ourselves to an unhealthy place. And then we come and sit down and go, Pastor Mike, I don't know what to do. I just, I'm just dealing with depression and, and I'm fighting this and I'm feeling And listen to me. It's because we're not living out the resurrection paradox. Because you have to. Die to live. That's the paradox. That's, that's the paradox of what Jesus is trying to say to us. As followers of Jesus, we must buy into this resurrection paradox to live a full life as he intended for us to live. Now, let me take that Mark 8, and I want to go back and do a whole section uh, that is around what I read to you earlier. So let's go to Mark 8 and 27, and let's, let's read this a little bit together and understand what Jesus is saying. It says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the village around Caesarea Philippi. Let me set a scene for you. Interesting that he takes them, before he asks these questions, that he takes them to Caesarea Philippi. Because what you may not know about Caesarea Philippi, that would be like, hey, I'm going to take the disciples and we're going to go to the French Quarter. Or I'm going to take the disciples and we're going to go to uh, downtown Times Square in New York. Why? Because Caesarea Philippi represented everything that the world was trying to project. Are you following me? So I want you to picture, when he asked this question, him and the disciples standing in Times Square. With all the lights and all the self-promotion and hot models and, come on, all the stuff going on around. That's 
That's kind of the scene that he asked this question in. He says, on the way he asked them, who do people say that I am? Then it come across different. You picture all the world flash around. He says, who, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others, one of the prophets. And he says, yeah, but what about you? What about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, and he answers correctly. And he says this, you, well, you're the Christ. And we lose a little bit of meaning in what that means because we think Christ is Jesus' last name. It's not Jesus Christ, like Mike Matheny. The word Christ means anointed one who is coming to bring freedom. It is the one that has been waited for for hundreds of years. So for him to make this statement is enormous, bigger than way, the way we understand him making this statement. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Why? Well, he was not yet right. There's timing to everything in, 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 in God's economy, right? There's timing to everything. It goes on. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And then he must be killed and after three days raised again. Whoa, 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 whoa. I see Peter and a couple of them going, I, I, that's, hold on, that's not what we signed up for. Like, what do you mean you're going to die? You're supposed to be the one. You're going to take over the Roman Empire. We're going to lead with you. Like, they are all, a lot of the time, it seems like they're constantly talking about which position they're going to have on his cabinet, right? Because he's going to take over. The, this is a worldly kingdom they're picturing. He's going to take over, and they're thinking what leadership places that they're going to have in this, in this whole thing. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside. I love this. And began to rebuke him. How bold are you that you just said you're the Christ? Now let me take you aside and correct you. And I laugh because I think, yeah, Mike's that bold. Mike would have done, hey, well, can I talk to you for a minute, right? And he rebukes him, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. How many of you know you don't want Jesus calling you Satan? Why? Because the messengers were wrong. Because they didn't understand. Because they didn't grasp this resurrection paradox. You're seeing, I, I can see Jesus just stop process. You're seeing through self-promotion. You're seeing through self-indulgence. You're seeing through self-preservation. Your mindset, your eye is focused on what's going to better you, what's going to help you in this situation. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said this. Now we get to what we read earlier. If you would come after me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross. And I think we lose a little bit of meaning here as well. Why? Because we picture a cross, we picture a piece of jewelry. But let me read it in the way that they would have heard it, okay? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself 
and take up his electric chair. Because the cross wasn't a punishment. As a matter of fact, it was a way more brutal punishment than the electric chair. Right? It was, a, it, it, it was this whole, and so for them, for them to think about wearing a cross, honestly, would have been a little weird and a little bit of sick. Because it would be no different than us wearing a, I don't know, an electric chair or, you know, a syringe. That's, 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 you must take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And he goes on, and these are tough words. If anyone's ashamed of me, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes to his Father's glory with the holy angels. All that to say this. You can't have a resurrection without a death. You cannot have a resurrection without a death. Things need to die for us to truly find life. Let me say it to you this way. Are you experiencing some death maybe in your marriage right now? Then something's got to die. Are you experiencing a struggle right now in your relationships and your family? Then if you want resurrection, something's got to die. Or are you struggling financially? And you want to see resurrection in that area of your life? Guess what? Something's got to die. Right? It's, it's habits. It's thought patterns. It's, it's different things that we do that are unhealthy. So I want to finish up today. You guys know I like to give you kind of some theology, and then I like to give you some very practical, put this into play this week kind of stuff. All right? So the worship team is going to come, and, and, and we're going to get ready to finish service. But I'm going to give you three very practical things. Don't close down on me yet. Follow me through on this. I want to give you something very, very simple that you can start tonight, tomorrow morning, to begin to, come on, die, that you might find a resurrection. Because it's a paradox. For you to find that new place that God has for you, it's going to require something to die. All right, so what do we die to? Number one, we have to die to self. Come on, somebody. Galatians 2 and 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, do you remember some of you when you had the opportunity to first accept Jesus into your heart? And you prayed what is referred to oftentimes as the sinner's prayer. In other words, you pray, you know, Jesus, I give you my heart and thank you for, for, for giving me my sins and would you come into my life today? And we pray that moment. And in that moment, listen to me, resurrection happens. The Holy Spirit of God is implanted into that individual, and resurrection happens. Can I suggest this to you? You need to pray the sinner's prayer every day. Because what happens? Life happens. Come on, y'all. Like, let's get real for a second. You know, the, usually the, I call it the tingles. Like, when a, when a guy and a girl first start dating and getting together, this is all really gooey and fantastic. Right? And they got the Velcro stage. Like, even if they're sitting in church, their knees have to be touching. 
They call it the tingles. I call it the tingles. The tingles usually last about two or three years. And, and then a little reality sets in. And some people say, Pastor, be more positive about marriage. Okay, I'm positive the tingles are going to go away after a little while. Because <laughs> that's just real. Well, then what? There's nothing like marriage to show you how, how selfish you are. Come on now. Until you have kids, and that's a whole other level of realizing how selfish you are. Right? So, so for there to be life and resurrection, I, gotta, I have to die to self. Okay, how do I die to self? What do, how do I practically do that? Well, can I suggest that you die to yourself through prayer? Let me give you a simple way to do that. Tomorrow morning, we're staying five minutes. I'm going to ask you to do this every day this week. Just see what God does. See what happens. Take five minutes to die to self. Start at the top of your head and go to the bottom of your tongue. You ready? Not today, I give you my mind. I die to my ideas and my thoughts and my negative thoughts and the ugly things that I've said. Today, that my mind would be of you. To think on things that are lovely and pure and holy. So today I choose to have a mind that has stayed on you. God, I pray right now in my eyes that I might be like Job 31.1. Men, that I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. Right, ladies, that I'm going to use my eyes to not be, come on, let's be real, so catty. Right? That new woman walks in and you're already deciding that her shoes are five minutes ago. Come on. God, I'm going to use my eyes to look upon things that matter to you, not just me, my ears. I want to be sensitive to your voice today. I want to stop hearing all the voices of this world, or even my own suggestions. I want to hear your Holy Spirit today. I want to die to self. Let me hear your, your, your voice today. Father God, would you use these hands to serve you? In what way can I use these hands that might further your kingdom today. God, I give you my feet. My feet represent my schedule. And I've got a schedule today, and I've got some appointments that I've made, but they are all subject to you. So today, I choose to die to self. How do we overcome self? I believe it's through prayer. I challenge you to do five minutes a day, going from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Number two. Matter of fact, well, I'd say it this way. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 31, I die every day. Right? That's, that's what we need. How many of you know, we've said it over the last several weeks, sin is like a zombie. Right? We, we kill the sin today, and somehow that crazy thing comes crawling up out of the ground tomorrow morning. Right? So we've got, we've got to choose to die daily. Five minutes of prayer to overcome self. Number two, we've got to die to our flesh. Because our flesh, our flesh is our emotions. You might lose your temper lately. You might let yourself get emotionally out of whack. And I've, I've got to die to myself, my emotions, those things inside of me, those desires. Galatians 5 and 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Did you know if you're a follower of Jesus... Inside of you, there's a spirit and there's a flesh. Here's the question. Which one is stronger? The answer is the one that gets fed the most. Right? The one that we feed the most. Right? So, so how do I feed 
the, the, the spirit inside of me that I might overcome the flesh. Galatians 5 and 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. How do I do that practically? And the answer is worship. It's worship. How many of you have ever been in a place where you're in a bad place up here? Come on, you're mad, angry, somebody screwed you over at work, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And you turn on that worship song, and the whole world flipped. You ever been there? Like, I, 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 I practice that sometimes when I'm coming home, and I know i got to go home, and i got to be husband, i got to be dad, and I've had a junky day, or I've gotten some email telling me how terrible I am as a pastor, or whatever, something, and I'm kind of rah, rah, rah. I'll stop in the the strip mall right in front of our neighborhood and just put a worship song on my phone and sit there for a minute. Because I know i got to walk in that house and be dad. And I don't want to walk in that house and start barking. One, how do you overcome the emotions? How do you overcome the flesh? Through worship. So I want to challenge you. Five minutes of prayer to die to self. Five minutes of worship to die to the flesh. Are you tracking with me? Number three, last one. We're going to have to die to this world. Some of us, we really have become highly connected to this world and what matters to this world and what we get out of this world, right? How it makes us feel better and comfort ourselves. Chocolate comes to mind. Ice cream. So sit in a whole gallon of ice cream, right? We, we, we've got to die to the world. How do you die of the world? You elevate the word. Follow me here. You elevate God's word. Well, why? What does that have to do with each other? Here's the thing. Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. He's going to die. And, and, and he says these words. For this reason I have come into the world. For this reason I was born. Are you ready for this? Because this is huge. Jesus is saying, this is why I came, y'all. This is the whole deal. This is why I was born. He doesn't say to die for your sins. He doesn't say, you know what he says? To testify to the truth. Why does he need to testify to the truth? Because the truth has gotten so twisted that the messages that we are getting are bad messages. They're wrong messages. Why am I experiencing death? Because I'm taking on these wrong messages. How do I overcome and die to this world? The word. I go back to the truth. This is real. This is reality. This is how I should live. Even when it seems crazy or counterculture to what I see around me, it doesn't matter. Come on, how many of you know you're going to run into something in the scripture you don't like? Right? I, I, usually, I say this all the time, but I'm serious. That whole turn the other cheek, that stinks. So it hits me, I'm going to knock them out. Right? Why? Because the world says, no, I'm going to get mine. You take care of yourself. Self-preservation. Right? Worldly thinking. But the scripture says, no, 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 no. Whoa, turn the other cheek. Let me take care of it. Revenge is mine, says the Lord. Right? So we've got to renew. If we're going to overcome our tribe to this world, if we're going to die to this world, it's going to be through his word that brings me truth and life. Right? Let me read this to you. Galatians 6 and 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I the world. In John 17 and 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not 
of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Did you hear that? Jesus says, hey, I, God, Father, I'm not, I'm not telling you to take them out of the bad situation. That's, that's not what I'm asking you. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, catch this, by the truth. Your word is truth. How do we live out resurrection here today? This resurrection is very real, and it's coming sometime in our future. And one day we're going to be home with Jesus. But I believe it also says that we can have resurrection here today in this place. And some of you came in with some heavy stuff today. Some of you came in with some things that are weighing on your heart. And maybe when I asked you earlier to be thankful, you really struggled because of where you are. And here's what I, I need you to hear. Jesus wants a resurrection for you in the future and right here today. But to have a resurrection, what do you have to have? To have a death. We've got to die to ourselves. How do we do that? Prayer. We've got to die to our flesh. How do we do that? Worship. Got to die to this world. How do we do that? His word or the truth. Five minutes, I'm asking. Five minutes each day. Five minutes of prayer. Five minutes of worship. Five minutes of his word. And let's just see. I'm so confident in who God is that I'm going to look at you and go, it's going to radically change your week. Don't get me wrong, the enemy's going to try to come at you. Right? It's going to come and, and all kinds of... But listen to me. If you'll stay focused and die to the flesh and die to those things, that is the constant renewal of resurrection that is needed in each and every one of our lives. Does that make sense to anybody this morning? Are you hearing me? Do you want resurrection? I mean, do you really want resurrection in your marriage, in your kids, in your work, in your business, in your neighborhood, in this community? If so, I just want to challenge you. 15 minutes. Five of prayer, five of worship. Five of his word. And just see what God might do this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for helping us to understand this crazy paradox of resurrection. And I want resurrection in me. I want resurrection in my life and in my relationship. So in this moment, I, I choose to die to self. I, I give you me, God. I surrender my heart and all that is Mike. I, I surrender. And, and die to me and all my desires. And I give you this flesh, this desire inside of me to self-promote, self-indulge, and all these. And say, God, I, I'm going to die to those things. And, 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 and God, I'm going to dive into your word. Because I need to understand your truth versus all the madness of this world. If that's your prayer today, with your eyes closed right there, would you just do a little bit of business with God right now? We ask him to maybe point out particular areas that you need to die to. It might be a little painful. Death is painful. Resurrection is amazing. We'll push in. Holy Spirit, bring us healing, deliverance in these areas. We ask it all in Jesus' name.
Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. Please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.